All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yes. Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, streaming online, sports1440.ca. If you've got the app, if somewhere you're driving and maybe it gets a little static at times, download the Stingray or iHeart or Radio Player app on your phone. It's free. And then I can get you through those uh, little staticky spots. No problem. And, of course, you can watch the show live anywhere on YouTube. You can't really watch it when you're driving. That's not safe. But uh, at home in the office, great. Get on. Maybe you're in the passenger seat. Put her on. You want to see it? To believe it. Orders Nation YouTube. And hit the subscribe button. And uh, you can get tickets. Because we're giving some away on Friday. So you better get in there before Friday. Orders Nation YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Texts keep flying in our Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440. Hey, guys, I had a buddy who would go triple pepperoni. So if it's triple pepperoni, I guess that's a lot of meat. But it's still all the same flavor. But it's pretty good. I like it. Hey, Greg's, I tried ranch as my sauce. It was a game changer for sure. Glad you mentioned it. Well, thank you. I don't know a lot. But sometimes I know certain things. I can't really eat the tomato sauce as much anymore. It kind of sucks. But so you get ranch or I've tried pesto lately. Ooh. If you're just looking for a little flavor change, something to spice it up for you, try it. The uh, the ranch or the pesto at Papa John's, very good. Very good. Let's get to the spec report now brought to you by GS Construction fantastic companies set to celebrate 50 years and they're hiring. 
You want to work for a great company that got an awesome culture and they love sports. Right up your alley. Go to Indeed.com and look up GS Construction. Mark Spector from uh, Roger Sportsnet uh, joins us once again. Speck, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm getting hungry hearing about all this pizza, Jay. Let's get this over with so I can go for a wheel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Um, uh, day one today, uh, you know, the, both of the goalies spoke today. And it's interesting kind of, you know, I love what Stuart Skinner said. Hey, about pressure goes, well, it depends how much pressure I want to put on myself, which I don't want to do. And that makes sense, right? Like he's a young guy coming in second year, Jack Campbell's. Jack Campbell's, I, if I was Jack Campbell, I know there's a lot of people in Edmonton that feel, oh my God, he's never going to be good. But if you look at his previous four years, he had a 916 save percentage combined over four years. That's really good. I'm not even saying he has to be 916 because there's more goals now, but I don't think it's crazy to think Jack Campbell can bounce back and be a 905 to 908 save percentage goalie. No, absolutely not. Uh, it's kind of funny. I thought this morning when you have the young guy, who seems to have a very calm, zen out mental approach like Stu Skinner. Uh, you know, I, when you listen to what he's saying, I, I, that's what I want to hear from a goalie, right? He is not, you know, he, he doesn't dig into things too deep. He's not too freaked out mentally. He's really calm. He's, you know, he says the right things. And the old guy, Jack Campbell turns, I think, 32 in January. He's the one who admits today on the on the podium that he's working on his mental game and uh here he is 32 years old still trying to figure it out uh you know between the years a little bit so it is funny the old guys uh, kind of could take a lesson from the young guy on this one jay well it was interesting i remember having a long conversation with darnell nurse we're talking about lots of things not necessarily hockey and it got on the topic of Stuart skinner and he kind of joked he's like like Stu's a rookie and any joke, he goes, but I think he's more mentally mature than a lot of us. Like he's just, that's kind of his thing. And he's really into lots of reading about mental toughness. Like that's a real thing that Stuart Skinner spends a lot of time listening to podcasts, talking about things you can control and, and, and really focusing on not wasting energy because you can get mentally tired and sometimes you can twist yourself in a pretzel like maybe Jack Campbell did at times. So. Uh, I think Skinner has that going for him. And now that's easy when things are going well. It becomes a lot more challenging when things start going wrong. Well, I think you you put it in place for when things yeah. start going wrong, right? Yeah. You know, the goaltending position is, is you know, as Ken Holland said today rather eloquently, uh, you know, when a forward makes a mistake, the big red light doesn't go on. And when the defenseman does, makes a mistake, it's not every time the big red light goes on. But when the goalie messes up, the big red light goes on and the fans start screaming. And, you know, there's there's something to deal with here mentally. It's, yeah. it's never good. So, uh, you know, listen, it's easy to be mentally mentally tough and forget the goals that went in when you're only letting in one a night. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's the old Grant Fuhr syndrome, right? Beat somebody six five. In the end, you got the win, uh, and don't worry about the last goal. Like no one forgot a goal quicker than Grant Fuhr. Um, I mean, that's where Campbell is, and he admitted it today. He 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 says, "I gotta I gotta sort of move on from each goal rather than lose a week's sleep over it." Uh, that is just not a healthy way to live when you're an NHL goalie. You gotta have a sharp memory, man. Because listen, goals are going in. No one gets a shutout every night. Goals are going in. You got to learn how to deal with them, and that's been something Jack Campbell said today. He's he's battled with his whole career, and the battle still wages, my friend. 
Uh, tomorrow is the first on-ice session for the Edmonton Oilers. We know that Sam Gagne won't be uh, taking part in any of the preseason games. Uh, Curtis, or Connor Brown, excuse me, is going to be uh, limited in, in when he plays, which makes me think... The lines you see, because I know people always want to jump the gun on lines in, in camp, and I'm not one who does it anymore because I've learned my lesson after a while. But <laughs> um, I, I do wonder kind of what experiments we'll see from Jay Woodcroft. He kind of knows what he has, and I don't think he has to put his lines together on day one because it's like, oh, we got to get these guys together. So I really don't see that happening. But like, I don't know why I spec, but I wonder, like, is Dylan Holloway going to be slotted at center? For a, for a game or two, or you know what is Fogel going to be up in the top six to start because Connor Brown might not be ready uh, for the first few preseason games. I'm kind of intrigued to see those little type of things tomorrow. Yeah, those are the ones, that, and he's certainly got eight games to fool around here with. Yes, like it's unbelievable. You know, it's sort of reminiscent of the NFL where they play four you know preseason games, and some of the top players don't even get a snap. Yeah, which. I mean, we can talk about that all day. It seems kind of crazy, but uh, you know, you got eight games here to figure out uh, like three spots on the Edmonton Oilers, maybe two. <laughs> you know, so that's a lot of hockey to make a couple little decisions. So, sure, Woodcross got to use that time to figure out a few other things, no question. Um, you know, here, what do we know? I think we know that on left wing. I think we know that Kane and McDavid are a pair. And Nugent Hopkins and Dry Settler repair. Do we know that? Do you think? Um, well, Nugent Hopkins, for whatever reason, has played better with Leon Dry And, you know, there's lots of reasons we could look at. Is it because when he plays with Dry he doesn't have the toughest matchup? Because when you play with McDavid, you usually get the toughest matchup. So maybe that's it. But okay. yeah, I, I would think that might be a safe assumption to start, Spec. That the sure. Nugent Hopkins okay. starts with Dry and Kane starts with McDavid. And then, you know, Hyman Brown, whoever else. Uh, rotates in on yeah, the right now side. Now we've got to figure out who's on the right side of those top two lines. It's going to be Hyman and it's going to be Brown. So now who plays with who? Hyman can play with anybody. He's the what a good player Hyman is. He just plays where on either wing with any guy and he's always good, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Holy man, talk about a valuable guy. Connor Brown, let's see what happens with with Connor Brown. We're going to watch him and learn and see the player and see, you know, how he's. He's coming off a big injury, man. It was a long time ago, like almost a calendar year, but it was a big injury. So let's see what happens there. Uh, is, is you know, do you want to get your third-line guys gelling together right off the top? Do you need Fogle and Holloway and uh, McLeod playing together right in the preseason? Or can you just experiment for a while and get to that later? You know, I guess we're going to see what Woodcroft does, but um, – He's got a lot of guys in camp, man. He's got a lot of machinations here that he can bounce around through, doesn't he? Well, to me, the I think it's the one advantage of having the eight preseason games is he's going to be able to give the guys who are really competing for those last one, maybe two roster spots amongst the Fords, they're going to get a lot of time. Sam Gagne now, you do take him out of the mix. So Adam Ernie, Raphael Lavoie, Sutter, Peterson, you know, go down the list of guys. Drake Kajula thinks he should probably maybe be in the mix. Uh, Brad Malone. So, you know, those guys will get, I think, a fair amount of game spec. And, uh, you know, I remember last year, and, and coaches are smart. Guys know who's competing for jobs. That Winnipeg road game on Monday spec, lots of times, that's where you're going to see those guys. They go on the road. It's a little bit harder. You're playing better lineup usually. The home team normally ices a little bit better of a lineup. 
And I think that, you know, we could see a, a healthy competition because guys are competing for jobs and coaches like to put those guys in the same games if they can. Not always, but lots of times. You know, I get you, man. That's that's a fair assessment, right? I want to see how Adam Ernie looks against a good lineup, not at home against a, a bunch of AHL players. That doesn't do much for me. Uh, Brandon Sutter, you know, it was funny. I asked Ken Holland today about Brandon Sutter, and he basically said what you and I have been talking about on this show for a week. If he's anything close to the Brandon Sutter that he was when he was, you know, 30 years old, 29 years old, Ken Holland said today he's exactly what we need. So uh, I think our our statement that, you know, if he's right and if he's something like the Brandon Sutter we know, the job is his. Ken Holland pretty much put a stamp on that today. So now we get to see, you know, and I don't want to see Brandon Sutter pushing around a bunch of college kids. I want to see him playing in a road game. I want to see him playing against Shifley. And I want to see him playing against Kyle Connor and, you know, the, the real players in Winnipeg. Uh, so I'm sure he'll get the tougher assignments, and let's face it, that's the way the game works. The guys that you know, Leon and 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 McDavid, they'll get the home games, and the home games usually come against a little, you know, lesser opposing lineup. Uh, I don't care what Connor McDavid does in the preseason, Jay or Leon Drysaddle, or about ten or fifteen other guys here. It doesn't matter to me as long as they're getting in shape and ready for the first game in Vancouver. Um. One last one, Spec, Charlie Huddy, Doug Waite, uh, two very worthy recipients of a big honor. They will be uh, going up on October 26th. It's a Thursday. The Oilers host the New York Rangers yeah. on the Oilers Wall of Fame. Yeah, I, you know, who argues with any of those, right? Charlie Huddy is, is you know, on a team full of superstars. He wasn't a superstar, but he did play in, Canada, in at least one Canada Cup. And, uh, you know, you we, we watched this in Edmonton, Jay. Just because you have superstars doesn't mean you win. Yeah. There's not winning cup any cups yet unless I miss something. You know, it's guys, you need the Charlie Heidi's on those teams. So he's absolutely 1,000% should be on that wall of honor. And then if we go to a new era guy, and now that Ryan Smith is up there, I mean, you're on the committee, so I'm probably telling you stuff you know already, but um, there isn't an order fan out there who, after Ryan Smith, if you're picking from players – you know, non-glory years players, it's Dougie Wade all day long. Now that there's going to be some debates coming in here, there's Alex Hemsky, there's Billy Garens, there's a bunch of guys, we're going to talk this out. But it went from, for my money, all day long, it went Ryan Smith, then Doug Wade, and then everybody else. How about you? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think they're, you know, that that's legitimately fair. Um, You know, I, Bill Radford's kind of unique because he was there at the end of a cup. He was a Consmite Trophy cup. winner. And then he was here during the dog years. And really, like, Bill Ranford was the only reason Order fans went to the games in 93 and 94. Him and Kelly Buckberger, right? Well, he won the, won the con smite. Bucky's another guy. Bucky's got to be up there. Like, come on. Kelly Buckberger, are you kidding me? He's going up there one day. Yeah, yeah he could be. Speck, enjoy tonight. <laughs> enjoy the baseball, man. Some interesting games. Vladdy's out, so we'll see how the Jays oh. handle it. Yeah, I don't like the fact that Vladdy's out. He loves that ballpark. Um, I don't think he had any hits last night, but he likes that park. I like watching him play there. So, yeah, let's watch a little ball tonight and uh, go Jays. There you go. That's Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet, uh, brought to you by GS Construction. When we come back, uh, Charlie Huddy is going to be uh, joining us in about uh, 15 minutes' time. Talk about uh, his huge honor. Uh, that hey, that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal for someone. You get to, you know, your name is going to be up there forever. 
That's a fantastic honor. So we'll hear from Charlie. Uh, get some of your text at uh, 10, or uh, sorry, at uh, 833-401-1440. We return to the Wednesday edition of the Jason Greger Show. Coming up tomorrow, we will have uh, lots of coverage from day one on the ice for the orders. They'll be on the ice tomorrow, Friday. And then Saturday, remember, Saturday is fan day. If you and anyone in your family wants to go watch it, it is open to the public. They'll be on the ice from 10 until 1. The scrimmage is at 11 o'clock. So that's the prime time, but you can get there early. And, of course, there'll be uh, seats available. First come, first serve. Concessions will be open as well. And it'll be your opportunity. So when they have the scrimmage, pretty much everyone's involved. So you have the opportunity to see the, uh, you know, your favorite players in action. And, and I know for some kids and for some people, you know, that's it's one of the rare times you can sit that close in the lower bowl. It's pretty fun. So that is again on Saturday afternoon. I guess late morning. Excuse me. Scrimmage is at one. So you want to get there. Doesn't open until 10, so don't get there before then because it won't be open the doors. So show up at 10, 10, 15. You know, you might want to watch some of the early drills, I guess, but then they will be on the ice at 11 o'clock. 833-401-1440 is the number you can text in. Uh, got lots more text flying in. Uh, hey, Gregor, everybody talks about the obvious ones. Is there anybody you think is a surprise candidate this year to make the team? You know what, Dan? Honestly, <sighs> Like, would Lane Peterson be a surprise? I think maybe he's been overlooked. So I would probably have to say if, if I was picking anyone, it would be him. Because I think a lot of people have been like, hey, Brandon Sutter, Brandon Sutter. And I understand that. Right? Raphael Lavoie, Raphael Lavoie. Totally get it. But if I'm looking at a surprise guy, then that's him. Like, I don't see Borgo. I don't see Tulio. I don't see Savoy. I don't see Petrov. Drake Kajula, that that'd be a surprise too, for me anyway. And I, I don't see it. The owners have a lot of left wingers. Hey, Gregor, I haven't heard much about Holloway. Do you think there's a chance they would start him in the minors because he doesn't need waivers? Well, if he's one of your best 12 forwards, then no. But if for whatever reason... He doesn't blow the doors off in, in preseason. Yeah. That, that is the one thing that's an advantage. Hey, we don't have put, not that I think most of the guys like Raphael Lavoie would, would have people, ooh, maybe they'll claim him on waivers. Like no offense, Elaine Peterson. I don't know if there would be the same angst amongst fans or the organization if someone claimed him. Right? Like there's, I'll, I'll tell you about the mindset of organizations. There's not the, Time invested in Lane Peterson. He was with another organization. You signed him as a free agent. Yeah, you want him to work out. But if it doesn't, you're like, okay, you move on. Whereas if you have a draft pick and you've developed him in the minors for a few years, then all of a sudden you lose him on waivers. You're like, what? Yeah, you're going to have some people in, in development, guys in saying, hey, what are we doing? So th- there's a little bit more angst in that regard. But th- there's not a ton of it when it comes to... um Guys like Lane Peterson. So I guess that's how I put it. Let's get to the fantasy report now. Brought to you by Next Gen Transportation. Heavy haul transport provider. 100% locally owned and operated. Hey, big shout out. Evo McEwen's down at the uh, bobsled trials. I like to give him uh, lots of joke. But you know what, dude? Uh, pretty strong dude. So uh, best of luck at that.
That's uh, nextgentransportation.com. Um, today, Cam Akers was traded to the Minnesota Vikings, which, A, do you think Akers is going to do anything in Minnesota? And B, what does this mean to Madison, Connor Halley? Well, I, I mean, I hope it motivates him. I hope it gets him to uh, focus a little harder on film and, and work a little harder in the training room. That's coming from a guy who has Madison in both his leagues and hope it starts to work out for him. I don't know. I mean, Cam Akers, there, there's a reason they're trading him, right? You're not trading away. Well, he hasn't wanted to be there, though, right? Yeah, I mean, that that's certainly part of it. But he's he's had injury issues. I mean, the most in his career that he's played in a single season or started at least his nine games. He finished 2022 pretty strong. Had a couple games that he finished with over 100 yards rushing. He's got speed. He was great at Florida State, taken in the second round for a reason. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think it'll take a little bit of time. Now, the the good thing for Akers is that the head coach there, O'Connell, was his OC for two years with the Rams. So it should be about as smooth as a transition as you can ask for. I don't know if he'll be able to get right in there against the Chargers this weekend. If he is, he'll probably go for a couple hundred yards or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's a move they had to make. Alex Madison just hasn't been good enough uh, for the fantasy players and for the the real football fans as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes and gives them kind of a two-headed monster there. There's a few players I saw that were rather popular on the waiver wire, one being uh, Rashid Shahid, the uh, wide receiver in New Orleans. Yep. He's had two pretty good weeks. Um, you know, he's still got all – he's not the number one guy there. What, what do you make of him as far as being sustainable? I mean, it, it's – it's tough, right? Because, you know, the, the more he makes plays, the more attention he's going to get from opposing defenses. But Chris Olave is the number one there. They've got Michael Thomas, who I think still garners a little bit of attention. So I think he's still going to get in there and have a chance to make his plays. Almost similar to Jordan Addison with the Minnesota Vikings, where, you know, it doesn't take much. He doesn't need to be targeted 10 plus times. It can be, you know, three, four, five. And if one of those plays hits, and you get a big touchdown, then he he could be worth a start. So I mean, it it would have to be in a league where there's a lot of teams, and you're you're looking for depth there to to make him a permanent starter. But uh, I think that he's still going to make his plays and get those opportunities. And Derek Carr, I mean, the accuracy is not always there, but he does like to push the ball downfield. So you'd think he'll get his chances. Um, a few other ones. Are you buying the? Uh... I don't know if it's a resurgence, but uh, Zach Ertz early on as a tight end. Like, there's not a lot of tight ends out there. But if you look at Zach Ertz and the amount of targets and the amount of catches he's getting, it's working. Now, Kyler Murray's getting close to coming back. How do you think that impacts it? Well, I mean, and I wonder, because we heard for a while that Kyler might be shut down for the season because if he does come back and get injured again, the Rams are, or not the Rams, the Cardinals, sorry, are on the hook for a lot yeah. of money. So, yeah, I mean. I, but are you going to sit out a guy just because of that? <laughs> Well, I mean, if Caleb Williams could be... Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he would. I feel like Gosh, you want to get him out like, there. That would be a pretty loser mentality, in my opinion. It would be. It would be. I, I I think so, because when you look at the the Cardinals, like Hollywood Brown, I don't think he's ever really been a guy that you can rely on uh, to go for 10 or 12 receptions in a game. Zach Ertz can be that guy and can be highly targeted, especially if it is going to be Joshua Dobbs continuing as the starter for a few more weeks. I think he's a great option at, to start at tight end because, as we know, the tight end is always a great security blanket for a quarterback who's new to an offense or is new to the league. They tend to get a lot of looks, kind of the safe targets underneath. And especially if you're playing in a PPR league, uh, yeah, I think Zach Ertz can be a guy who you could probably count on. I won't lie. I looked at him last night. I'm still debating bringing him on to the squad here. What about Josh Reynolds? Are you buying Josh Reynolds in Detroit or is that just a one-week off? 
I think so. We actually, we had Declan Kruger and Gavin Turnick on the little round table on Fantasy Frenzy yesterday talking about potential waiver wire pickups, and they were both very high on Reynolds. You know, he, he's been around the league for a long time, and it's kind of been spot duty in the past, but with a suspension to Jamison Williams out in Detroit, he's been a guy who has stepped up uh, in the wide receiver two spot. Obviously, St. Brown's going to get a lot of the coverage there, and, and Reynolds has been capitalizing. He's got a good quarterback in Josh or Jared Goff, who's finding him in good places. So I I would say use him, keep him on the team until week six when Jamison Williams get back. Then maybe you put on the bench and stash him and see how Williams plays and what that role is in the offense. But for the next couple of weeks, I think he's a great target to have. Um, are, You look at Houston. They got a few receivers. Do you like any of them? Like is, is Robert Woods just like a, you know, he's a bi-week option type of guy or do you think he's potentially could be become a regular i mean he certainly is an option i know there's a lot of people who are high on tank dell who you know kind of burst onto the scene had a big game in 10 uh, sorry 10 receptions for 14 targets uh you know he he's a guy going up against the jacksonville jaguars who they're probably going to be putting up points so tank dell i think could be a guy that you know if if cj stroud needs to start pushing the ball downfield if they're trailing uh could put up some points there i don't mind robert woods i mean he he was a good receiver for the rams uh he's 31 years old now i I don't know how he's going to be counted on too heavily but like i said if you're if you're struggling you need that depth piece there's probably worse options you could go after uh but i I don't know if he'd be the top of my list i I might take a look at tank dell the rookie see what he can do Okay, that's uh, now I'm trying to think. There was one other one I wanted to ask you about. Um, uh, who was it? I know a few people. Um, oh yeah, um, Latavius Murray. <laughs> like he's been around forever, right? Like I don't know. At this point, him and Ezekiel Elliott, Matt Breda, are they all the same guy? Different name? I mean, Latavius Murray to me is is the funniest guy because he'll show up on a. A Thursday, get into the game in a red zone opportunity and score a touchdown. Like he seems like he's just always scoring touchdowns. He's got 56 in his career. Like yeah. he finds a way to get into the end zone. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's someone you necessarily want to, uh, throw in there as your RB1, your RB2. Maybe if you're desperate, you're putting him in that flex spot. Uh, but James Cook, you know, he's getting the bulk of the carries. I, I think I saw somewhere that James Cook was the 12th rated running back in fantasy points, but he has not scored a touchdown yet. So mm. Cook's doing everything except for getting except into score. the end zone, whereas Latavius Murray, he, he finds a, he always finds his way into great opportunities. So, yeah, I don't know if I would count on that necessarily. Uh, at some point, James Cook's going to find his way into the end zone, and, and I think the Latavius Murray touchdown steal uh, or theft thievery will stop. That's a fantasy report brought to you by Next Gen Transportation. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Lots more text flying in. Of course, a few comments coming up on the... uh, YouTube channel. Go there for Orders Nation. Hey, guys, uh, what's your thoughts, though, on the Browns uh, running back situation? It's a good question. Uh, I just think they're going to go with Jerome Ford to start, right? The, lots of people were high on him when the season began, and that's what they're going to do. So uh, it's brutal to see for Nick Chubb. It was obviously a terrible injury, considering it's the same knee he ripped up six, seven years ago. So, you know, he's out. That's going to be like a full year. I'm very curious to see do the Browns do the right thing? Connor, or do they do the business decision and just cut him at the end of the year? What do you think they do with Nick Chubb? Uh, you're right. It would be the good thing versus the business decision. I think probably goes to the rehab. He's been through this before with a pretty substantial injury a couple of years ago. The scary part is that it is the same leg. So you, you have to worry about what that rehab process is going to be like. I would assume they bring him back to camp, obviously, next year and see how he's looking if he's ready by then. Cause it's going to be a pretty substantial rehab process. And it's a cutthroat business. Nick Chubb's had a lot of good football in his career, but you know, if he can't go, I think they'll make that hard decision. It's uh, not for long, uh, for a reason. As for the current situation, you know, they kept Jerome Ford and didn't resign Kareem Hunt for a reason this past off season. I I think Ford for the next couple of weeks for sure will get it's the ball look, to the yeah. carries. As yeah. he should. You yeah. got to give the guy. You got to find out if you got anything here. And he was good. He was good on Monday night. So I, I think he, certainly he's going to get the the bulk of the carries. Maybe Kareem Hunt gets spot duty. He's not going to be in football shape. I, I don't care what you say. You can do the best uh, off season training as possible. You're not going to be ready to go out there and carry the rock twenty times in your first game when you're being signed on a Wednesday. So, yeah, <laughs> Jerome Ford, stick with them. Ah, yeah, well, no, that's probably fair. But maybe you can get in for seven or eight carries first time. See yeah, how it hey, goes. it could be Latavius Murray right yeah. on the two-yard line. Ah, there you go. Uh, when we come back, the newest member of the Orders Hall of Fame, Charlie Huddy, will join us on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. Yeah, yeah. We continue on. Edmonton Sports Center, TSN uh, 1260. Jason Greger. Connor Howley, Declan Kruger with you. Very uh, special guest today. We get to the uh, Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical. Family-run business for over 50 years. They actually just celebrated their 50th anniversary. Uh, quite the accomplishment for a local business. And if you're looking for a great service, a company with fantastic morals, excellent service, go to actionelectrical.com. 
Net and our uh, next guest. I'm guessing his phone had a lot of action uh, today and in the upcoming days because uh, earlier this morning it was announced that Charlie Huddy, along with Doug Waite, will be going into the Oilers Hall of Fame. The ceremony will be on the 26th of October before the uh, Oilers play the uh, the New York Rangers. And uh, Charlie Huddy, one of uh, seven Edmonton players who was on all five Stanley Cup winning teams, joins us uh, now. Charlie, congratulations, my man. Uh, tell me, how the who, who gave you the call that you were going in? Was it Gretz? Um, he kind of kind of gave me a little indication for the one day, but actually Kevin uh Kevin called me the other day and uh, and gave me the news and um it was a as you can expect it was a great phone call. Yeah, I I would think so. And so since the, <laughs> yeah. since the announcements come out, I I just got to think of, you know, how many of your former teammates and and friends and, you know, people from, you know, you've been in the NHL a long time, Charlie. Lots of players you've coached, I'm guessing because I know you had a huge impact for for a lot of defensemen. So I guess c- kind of take me back to for people that, you know, a little bit younger maybe who don't understand kind of how Charlie Huddy came about to be in an Edmonton order back in the 1980-81 season. Uh, you know what? I I, um, I I played in the minors for a little bit. The, the I never I never got drafted, so that was kind of a kind of a disappointing thing for you know at that at that particular time when the the day of the draft it was different way back then. It was just you basically were at home and they would call you, and I never got a call, obviously. So um, that part was a little disappointing. But you know, now that I look back at it, it ended up obviously working out great. I mean, I had, I had three or four teams that had offered me, you know, contracts. So, um, you know what, we chose Edmonton and it just, uh, things worked out and, uh, I knew I was going to spend some time in the minors. I had to get my, get my game and hoping someday there would be a chance to get to the NHL. You just go down there and you just work hard. And I was fortunate to, not the, the first year we were in Houston in the central league, but then after that down in Wichita in the central league also, but, um, when John Muckler was down there as our coach, and he really, uh, you know, what he really helped me along a lot. He uh, he had a lot of good, uh, um, a lot of lot of good information. And his job down there was uh, his job down there was to try to get guys to the NHL. I mean, that's what uh, coaches in the minors do. That's how they how they get uh, you know get get honored by by doing that. And um, he did he did a great job. He really. He put a lot of hard work in it, a real smart hockey man to, uh, you know, to get me up to the NHL. And from then on, you need a little bit of luck. And uh, I got some. Charlie, how did you join us? So, Charlie, you played in Houston in 1980. Then the, you signed that summer with the Orders uh, organization. You were in Wichita. But you did get in yeah. to 12 NHL games that year. Then the next season, you were kind of half and half. 32 games in Wichita. Then you came up to Edmonton in 81 and 82 and obviously uh, never looked back after that. But tell me that 80-81 season in those 12 games, kind of what you learned and maybe what you were your impressions of of uh you know like obviously there's some pretty young stars Gretzky, Curry, Messier, Glenn Anderson were all on that team and like did you have an inkling right away in 12 games that oh my goodness this is special or did it take a while for you? Um I think you get I think you get it right away. Like when you when you when you get out on the ice with those guys and you see the skill that they had and the 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 thing was is that and, and it's just you know it's what Muck Muck tried to teach us down there cuz Muck had been in the HL before. He said it's just it's it's 
when you get there, it's amazing how hard these guys work all the time. And then when I got to practice and stuff like that, you know what, even those guys were highly skilled and great players. They, they came and they worked hard every day in practice. And, um, that was the thing that, that I was impressed about. And then, you know what, just make you feel a part of the team right away. But, um, yeah, you know what, it, it didn't take long. You could see that they had, uh, they had the skill and what it was going to take to be NHL players. And the other thing is like, we've always talked about the games and during practices and, you know, we were flying commercial back then and stuff like yeah. that. It was, it really was a family. Like those guys got along real well. And I was just kind of tippy toeing around trying to, trying to fit in, but they made you feel like a part of the team. But uh, yeah, I guess to, to answer it, yeah, you could, you could feel it right away once you got in there and got on the ice with them. And then, obviously in the dressing room. So in 82-83, now you're a regular order and really kind of at the end of the 81-82 season. Um, is that when you and Paul got paired together? Was it right away or did it kind of just morph into that? Because uh, you guys were obviously an outstanding pairing for a long time. Yeah, I think it kind of just it just kind of got to that. I mean, Slats would always mix mix guys around and for whatever reason, it just it just worked with us. You know, we were, I was playing my offside. I was shot left and I played the right side which I which I really liked and I just for whatever reason the two of us just kind of gelled together but um you, you know you know like I, I was married and had a couple of young kids and cough was yeah, I think he was living with Yari at that time but you know what it was um we'd have cough over for dinner all the time he'd come and hang out with the kids and then sit on the couch and fall asleep and then he'd go home so I, I guess my point to it was is that you know what we I think having the relationship off the ice and hanging out, hanging out together, and and doing stuff like that, and and I know it sounds, but we used to we used to talk about games and talk, you know, talk a little bit of hockey when he'd come over and stuff like that, and I I I really think that that really helped us on the ice, like it it really did. It we kind of had a we had a real feel for each other, you know. I knew where he was going to be, and you know he knew where I was going to be most of the time, and I think it just. Uh, it it just it just worked and uh, it worked for quite a while. What did you like about playing your offside as a defenseman? Um, you know what, there there was a lot of good on it. I mean, I I I think in the offensive zone it was good. I was able to keep a lot of pucks in that came around the boards because you didn't when you're on your on your proper side you just kind of put your stick over and you kind of get your body there, but it can bounce over. When you're on the other side, you got to get your whole body over there. So. You're able to keep a lot of pucks in, and then the other thing was when it came back to the blue line, you're always on your forehand, you know, walking across the blue line. Yeah. You could get, you could get your shot through quicker, and it was hard for that forward to come out. You know, it was hard harder for him to get into the shooting lane, you know, because it was maybe one more step, and you'd get him out of it. And I, I think that was, I think that was the big thing. But even just even defending the rush, you know, when forwards were coming down, you had your stick on the out on the outs on the outside of the place, so you could kind of. He could kind of push that forward wide when he was carrying the puck, you know, and guide him into into an area where he really didn't want to go. So, I think those those were the two big things for me. I just, uh, for whatever reason, I just I got to it and pretty much played it my whole time. I remember going to L.A. and I had the the uh, Barry Melrose was coaching there, and he said, "You're going to play the left side for a bit." And I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I got out there and I was just like. It was like it was. It was like I was learning how to skate all over again. I mean, because you know, you get used to turning one way when you're when you're playing the right side and doing everything from there. And then I got on the left side. And it was just. Uh, it, it it took me. It took me a lot of games to get uh, <laughs> to kind of get going on that left side. Charlie Huddy joins us, uh, newest member of the Oilers Hall of Fame. Uh, he will be officially inducted on Thursday 
October 26th, along with Doug Waite prior to the Oilers Rangers game. It is the Jason Greger show on Sports 1440. And Charlie, you know, you had the great success in Edmonton and then, you know, some good things had to come to an end. You'd seen Gretzky go and then, you know, Grant Fuhr and others and then yourself left after the the 91 season. Although you did reconnect in L.A. and Gretzky was there and Yari Curry uh, eventually came. And so it was kind of nice. But, you know, then the last few years of your career in Buffalo and, and, and St. Louis, uh, tell me about, you know, how that was there. A, you're playing in the East now. You hadn't played a ton of games against Eastern teams. You're, you know, it was later. How are those final few years of your career? Uh, you know what? They were good. It was a good experience. I mean, I, I learned that when you get out in the East, you don't travel very much. And usually, if you're not on a road trip, if you're just playing a, a single game, you're usually home and in bed by you know one o'clock. Yeah. When you when you go on a when you go on a one game, you go in the night before and you play the game. And I, I when I was in Buffalo, I'd be home, like I said, you know, one o'clock, one thirty, be back in bed. So those guys. So the travel was a, you know, when people talk about. You know, obviously the travel playing a, a big part of it. It was, it's definitely, definitely way, way easier in the East that, that, that I found for the short period of time that I was there. But, you know, I enjoyed my time in, uh, in Buffalo. I got to, you know, play with a bunch of different players and, um, Muck was a general, John Mucker was a general manager there. So he had, he had brought me in and, um, you know what? It was, it was good. I enjoyed it. And then I moved on to, uh, right at the trade deadline to St. Louis. And uh, hooked back up with those guys. Mac P was there, and uh, and Wayne was there, and uh, Fierzy was there. Glennie Anderson was there. So it was uh, it was it was a it, it was good to get back with those guys. And unfortunately, we lost lost to Detroit in double overtime in uh, Game Seven. But you know what? It, it was fun. I uh, I enjoyed it getting out in the East and playing against some different teams that you don't like. You said that you only saw once a year or twice a year. You entered twice a year, so. It was uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. So, Charlie, you know, you look at all that time, and then you got into coaching, and you know what? Lots of defensemen I've talked to that have worked with you, you know, really appreciated it. You talked about John Muckler at the start. Um, were you thinking of coaching while you played? Was it something you got into later on? And why do you think you were a good coach? Because lots of young defensemen tell me, man, Charlie Huddy was a major reason why I was able to play this long in the NHL. Yeah, you know what? I, I I did start thinking about it when I went to when I did go to Buffalo because Muck was there, and then I I did the one year I did go down to the American League. I played uh, John Tortorella was the coach down there, and I went down. I had torts in Buffalo, but I went down there and I was a player assistant down there with him. And um, Torts ended, ended up playing me too much, but I, I I learned a lot. I learned a lot from Torts, like how the you know the coaching part of it and stuff like that. And I ran a bunch of practices and, and things like that. So. I had a good uh, I had a good opportunity on that part of it, but um, you, you know what? I just um, I, it was something that I wanted to give a give it a shot at, and uh, you know, I was fortunate to do it for a long time. But I, I think just handling those young defensemen, it was just trying to be calm with those guys. I don't I really have a temper. I don't really like to yell at guys. I don't think you you get much out of it. And I think I was more of you know. If, uh, um, just kind of let them go out there and play. If they made mistakes, you talk to them a little bit. But I think you got more benefit out of just letting them go back out there and then um, showing them more stuff the next day. And 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 I, I will say that I was fortunate for I I got I worked with Mac T for a long time, and then I ended up um, going. I went to Dallas for a couple of years, but then I went to when I went to Winnipeg and Paul Maurice was there most of the time. Um, those guys let me do what I wanted back there. They never really questioned any of the. 
you know, who I was playing or, or anything like that. And I never, I never benched a guy um, unless the head coach told me to, you know, so I just, I had a good relationship. I tried to, I tried to work with those guys and tried to let them understand that it was, we're all in this together and I'm not, I, I want you guys to, I want you guys to do better. I just had 17 years in the NHL and I'd like to see all you guys, um, you know, be lucky enough to have a, have a long career in the NHL because it's a pretty, uh, it, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good job and it's a lot of fun playing in this league. Charlie, you have exactly 36 days. How is your speech do you think how's your speech? I know yeah. you haven't started it yet, but uh, how, how do you feel that's going to go? And uh, are you? Uh, do, do you have like an invite list of people you asked to come? Uh, I haven't gone through it yet. I'm just kind of. I just I talked to the, those guys the other day and kind of go through all the all the stuff. But yeah, you know what? I I mean, I, I think it's more of just a more of, a, of really of just a thank you of all the people that I played with and who I. Uh, um, who helped me along the way, but it'll, it'll be exciting. I'm just, uh, I haven't done a lot of, uh, speeches and, and things <laughs> like that, but although I, I did, I did, I should be in practice, right? I did one in, uh, when was it in July for the, um, Alberta hockey hall of fame. I got inducted into that in July. Yeah. So that was a, you know what, that was pretty good. I had my whole family there and it was just, it was a smaller, but it was, you know what, it, it, it was great. Tim Hunter from the Calgary flames got inducted and the, uh, women's Edmonton Chimos, and there was a couple other people. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. So I had a I had a short little speech there. So I gotta I gotta tune it up for this one a little bit. But like I said, more thank yous and uh, yeah, should be good. Awesome stuff, Charlie. Congratulations. We look forward to seeing you. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks. That is Charlie Huddy, Oilers Hall of Fame on October 26th. Uh, let's get to the con man in a sports center. Our Sports 1440 update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, where the rates never change. No overtime charges, furnace repair, or maintenance. Do it now at LegacyHeating.ca. Here is Connor Halley. Have yourselves a wonderful night. Enjoy the Jays game. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.